Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you here at the broadcast location and uh, all of our friends over at Nacogdoches, uh, Groves. I uh, want to welcome everybody online, all of our guys at Duncan and Dieball, Iglesia Duncan, Iglesia Timber Creek. So glad to have you. Come on, one more time. Let's welcome our church family. Glad to have you today. So I want to start with a question, and it is, um, how many of you, if you were to investigate the last few weeks of your life, you would say you've been on your very best behavior? <laughs> you know, you, you've been pretty good, all right? I mean, if Santa's checking it twice, gonna find out, you, you might even just get something this year. Um, how many of you'd say, well, if I, if I do some inventory of the last few weeks, maybe there's been some times where I may have missed the mark on my behavior. Anybody done that? Anybody been there? Oh, not just me, thank you, God. <laughs> like, like, okay, we, the, the, the room is full, uh, is half full of honest people, and the others, uh, you're gonna catch up pretty soon. Uh, yeah, like behavior where I've, I've done something or said something that I wish if I look back, it wasn't, it wasn't my best moment, wasn't my best thought, wasn't my best reaction. Uh, I, I get it. I've been there a time or two or 12. Many times that's just like Thursday for me, okay? And navigating that, I want to get a little bit better, but I have not reached perfection. As we jump in today, I wanna to start, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to fill in these blanks as we kind of dive right in. And we start with this, this statement. We're gonna unpack this statement first. The, the first statement is, all behavior is based on a belief. Your behavior isn't just the devil made me do it. That was my excuse growing up as a kid. Growing up in a pastor's home, I felt like if I could sound more spiritual that I could get, you know, get away with a few more things and my dad would be like, oh, the devil made you do it? Oh, goodness, well, let's just pray instead of spank you. You know, like, I guess that's what I was thinking. I was sorely mistaken. <laughs> All behavior is based on a belief. As you start thinking certain ways, it changes the way you behave. Have you ever asked your kids, what were you thinking? And they say, <laughs> I thought it would be a good idea at the time. And you say, you weren't thinking. The truth is they were thinking. They just weren't thinking the way you wanted them to think. And many times we can think a certain way. We don't even realize we're thinking a certain direction until we take time to push pause on the whole process and really begin to chew on why we're doing the things we're doing. So I want you to situate the thought, number one, all behavior is based on a belief. As I start to uh, push to achieve, as I recluse and isolate myself in a group of people, as I step into high school and I find certain friends, as I walk through the doors and feel like everybody's gonna be against me, all behavior is based on some kind of belief. And at the church level, for many years and decades, we, we have tried to change behavior instead of change belief. So that's one box we're gonna unpack today. The second box is this, behind every sin in our life. Now sin, let me, let me situate it again. If you're joining us, you may have not have heard this definition. Here's how we situate what sin is. Sin is not the act you commit that your grandma said not do. 
Sin is not the act you commit, sin is the authority you're rejecting in that action. So when Adam and Eve eat the fruit, it wasn't that eating the fruit was the sin, it was that God himself said, 29,500 species of trees, you may eat from every single tree, but there is one tree in the middle of the garden, do not eat from that tree. And you know what, we get ticked off saying, well why would God put it there if he didn't want us to eat it? Because sin isn't about the act you commit, it's about the authority you reject. And it wasn't about eating the fruit, it was about Adam and Eve rejecting the authority of God having the last word in their life. We are addicted to control, we're addicted to having the last word, and so we want to pluck whatever fruit we jolly well please versus saying, God, I don't get it, I don't understand it. Other people are saying, that you're doing it for selfish reasons, but I'm gonna trust you that you have your best intention in mind. But instead, we reject that authority and we wanna take matters into our own hands. Behind every sin is a lie I'm believing. You know, that affair is gonna make me happy. That's a lie you're believing. That, that affair is going to answer my deep need for acceptance and love. And that's a lie that we believe that presses us into a specific behavior. I've lost 100 pounds. Since 2019, I've done a, a pretty good job at keeping it off. But I wanna tell you, it wasn't about the process of going through losing the weight. It wasn't uh, dieting. It, it wasn't uh, taking action. I, I, I had uh, weight loss surgery to help me with that process. Those decisions that I made though, I promise you, those are behaviors. But behind every, behind every like sin is a lie I'm believing. Behind every behavior is a belief. I've had to do way more work with the way I think about food than just saying no to food. And many times, whether it's a food thing or it's a sex thing or it's an identity thing or it's a... Uh, emotional thing, or it's a marriage thing, many times, our, all, of, all the time, our behavior is driven by a specific belief. If I don't believe I'm enough, it's gonna drive a behavior in my life, okay? And so here, we, we're unpacking every behavior, there's a belief. Behind every sin, there's a lie that the enemy wants to say, it, this will make you happy, this will fulfill you, this can be a good enough king for your life. You don't need God as your king. This'll be your king. You, you, you don't need to be accepted by God. You need to be accepted by everybody else. And so as long as you do whatever it takes to be accepted by everybody else, that'll make you happy. And the enemy wants to come in and speak his perfect tongue. Like he is fluent in lie. And he will lie to so we're, we're situating these thoughts. Behind every behavior is, a, it, 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 behind every sin is a lie I'm believing. Behind every behavior is a belief. Write this down. Trying to change my behaviors without changing my mind is a waste of time. Because it's not about the behavior modification, it's about the way I think. And you know, this can even happen in church. We can go through the motions. We can get our church on, so to speak, which is a behavior, not a way we're thinking. It's not a mindset. It's just Sunday set. 
So, for example, we can come through the front doors, get our praise, Christ be magnified, lift our hands. Ooh, that was good. Feel the goosebumps. But God even mentions this in the book of Isaiah through the prophet Isaiah. He says, hey, these people show honor to me with words. Christ be magnified in me. God says, you can honor me with your words, but their hearts are far from me. Because even though we sing that song, we can walk away and not magnify God and not think about God. As long as we did our church deal, we feel like we're, we're good. And that's a dangerous place that our hearts would be far from him, even though our motions are going through the motions. What is your heart? Your heart is like the integration of your, your thoughts and your emotions and your desires. It's, it's all of that weaved together. It's not about the heart pumping, uh, the, the, the blood pumping organ. It, it, it's about really like the, the essence. As a matter of fact, in Jewish culture, it wasn't about like the heart. It was the bowels, like deep in my bowels. Like, girl, you make my bowels sing. Like, oh, that's weird. And they sing in bass, you know. No, I'm not gonna go. It's like saying, girl, you make my liver quiver. Like, anyway, anyway, moving on. Like that heart, that is the, the essence of our thoughts, our emotions, and our desires. Now, well, why is all this important today? Why, why is this important for us to really situate this? Because again, I said for so long, church was about behavior modification. Don't do that, don't do this. You're only gonna laugh in church if you're laughing at how dumb the devil is. And if you're gonna wear a t-shirt, it ought to have my face on it with a catchy slogan, three nails and on the back, four given. Like we gotta be a certain way, look a certain way, listen to a certain kind of music, and do, do you reap what you sow? Yes, it's a biblical principle. Um, like sow in all kinds of cultural stuff, you're, you're, you're gonna reap cultural stuff. Garbage in, garbage out. That, that's not a churchy thing, that's just a reality thing. But the truth is this, when it comes to why this is so important, your life and mine, our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. We are not sucked in with a tractor beam into the will of God out of our control just because we bow a knee to Jesus. No, your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. I promise you, if you can't stop thinking about what it would be like to leave this marriage, your life will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. If you can't stop thinking about sex, teenager, your life will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. If, if your life, if you, are, if you are just always waking up and looking in the mirror and saying, I'm not enough, your life will move in the direction where you try to either prove you're not enough or try to prove you are enough. And your life moves in the direction of the way you think about stuff. Now, that has been twisted in a lot of church circles and the positive side of that would be called name it, claim it. A prosperity gospel. If I speak it into existence, it is mine. 
And, and, and inadvertently what happens, or even purposefully what happens, is God becomes a slot machine for your future, and you throw in a prayer, give me a Mercedes, and you pull the lever, and out comes the, church, you know, the Mercedes keys, bless God, because I've named it, claimed it. And so because of the, because the way that that idea has been molested by church circles, we have gone away from that, and we've only adopted the negative name it, claim it. Here's the negative name it, claim it. I'll never be able to. I'm not enough. I can't. And we name it, claim it all day long on all the things that we're not capable of. All the things that define our past. All the stuff that we get caught up in. And we live in that bondage. We've named it, claimed it on the negative side. What God wants to do is give you a healthy, a full vibrancy of, of not naming it, claiming it just so you can get what you want, but you identify it and you claim that based on the promises of God and who he is, and you can walk in that. As we've been going through this series on Romans, we are now in Romans chapter eight, considered the greatest chapter in the Bible. And in Romans eight, Paul is really giving us some practical steps on this whole idea of our thoughts and how we need to renew our thoughts and, and how our mind needs to be set, a mindset. How we have to have the right mindset because many of us have the wrong mindset. And to just get an un, a better understanding what we've done the last couple of weeks, we're gonna rewind into Romans 7 and then gallop back into eight in order for us to understand the whole purpose of eight. Romans chapter seven says this. Paul is saying, I don't understand what I do. For what I wanna do, I do not do. Anybody ever been there? For but what, and what I hate, I do. You look at the mirror and say, why did I let that happen again? Why didn't I stand up for myself? Why did I, why did I not turn, turn, Turn it around, and you hate what you've become with what you're doing, and Paul can relate to that. He says, ugh, what a wretched man I am. Who's gonna rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Now, good news, Paul wasn't drowning in this reality. He was revealing his honesty because he did have the answer, and he gives us the answer. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's not about me delivering me, it's about Christ delivering me. And then we go to Romans eight. We added the division of the chapters later on um, as we collected the 66 books of the Bible written by 40 authors over 1500 years in three different languages. And that one big story, it's a little bit easier to kind of find your place when there are passages and scripture verse numbers and chapter numbers. And so the chapter and the verse wasn't written by Paul. It was just a long letter. And so we added eight. And so because of that, you can miss the whole reason why chapter eight starts like this. So he just said, I do what I don't wanna do. What I hate, I do. Oh, thank God that Jesus Christ is gonna deliver me. Therefore, chapter, one, chapter eight, verse one, therefore, there's no condemnation, which is a way we're thinking. We think condemned. There's no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, because, why? Well, here, I'll tell you why. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free. Many times, just because you're set free, you're not thinking free. 
This is the challenge all throughout scripture. Just because God had set them free, the Israelites did not think themselves as free. Paul will go on to say, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, those who have been put in a half Nelson by the sinful nature, guess what happens? They think about sinful things. It's not like, oh, the devil made me do it. (laughs) It's thinking. When we are dominated by the sinful nature, that old nature wants to creep up in you and in me, we think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by this Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Now look at this, controlled by the Holy Spirit. In spirit-filled circles, you know, we're a Pentecostal church. That, what that means is we believe that the activity of God is still in action. But also, when I say Pentecostal, some of you go, where are the snakes, you know? <laughs> or, I mean, we, this doesn't feel like a Pentecostal church because you're used to a certain style of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is not weird. The Holy Spirit has been so abused and misused and misunderstood, like some vague electrical force field that you kind of run into in a very powerful service versus a person you can know intimately that will teach you and guide you and correct you and comfort you and and help you. This is part of the beauty of encounter, is, is, is taking you a step further in understanding the whole Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Understanding a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. Not that you are grabbed by the cheek by the Holy Spirit and controlled in that way, but those who are controlled by the Spirit, you are thinking about things that please the Spirit. So, letting your sinful nature control your mind is gonna lead to death. It's gonna lead to death. Thoughts running around in your mind about the wrong way, but it feels like a good way. If loving you is wrong, I don't wanna be right. Well, you're an idiot too. You know that's written about a married man. He's a married man. And he's fallen in love with someone who's not his wife. If loving you is wrong, I don't wanna be right. Well, you're gonna be wrong. And you think it's gonna be okay, it ain't gonna be okay. But obeying the Spirit, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. I want peace for you. I want your anxious thoughts to not dominate you. But we have to invite the Holy Spirit to change the way we think. It all starts with thinking. And the way I think affects the way I feel. The way I think affects the way I feel. If I start thinking, listen listen, listen to me, it's not about the stress of your job. You're like, oh, the stress of my job, it's driving me crazy. It's not the stress of your job. It's the way you think about the stress of your job. Oh, my boss, he's an idiot. He may be, but it's not your boss being an idiot. It's the way you think about your boss. There's no way I could ever, no, no, no. It's the way you think about your circumstances. And the more you think causes you to feel a certain way. And many times feelings can actually be beliefs incognito. They can actually be a belief like, I don't feel like I can trust them. I don't feel like I can trust them. That's not a feeling, that's a belief. I cannot trust them. I feel guarded, I feel suspicious, I feel walls up, 
but I'm believing they cannot be trusted, so I'm gonna operate in a way that they cannot be trusted because I'm thinking that, therefore I'm feeling that. We gotta situate this, because the way I think affects the way I feel, the way I feel affects the way I act. Why did you do that? I don't know why I did it. Well, you back up into that with your kids, and there's just a certain, there's certain ways we're thinking about things, even early on. Saying things, why did I say that dumb thing about Shauna Bryant at fifth grade that got me almost suspended? You don't even wanna know what I said about Shauna. But I said it loud enough on the playground, I got grabbed by the ear by Mrs. Jeffries, who I had, like, man, I had a huge crush on Mrs. Jeffries in fifth grade. That's not how you treat someone who's got a huge crush on you. Literally, fifth grade, Christmas store, I bought the nicest. My mom and dad gave me money to buy all of our, our family presents. I didn't buy anybody in my family presents. I spent all my money on Mrs. Jeffries. <laughs> now, you would think that Je Mrs. Jeffries was like a looker. She was like 58. I, I mean... I don't even know what to say. I mean, but those pantyhose, I guess, I don't even know. <laughs> but like, crush, boom, 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 boom. Said something stupid about Shauna Bryant. Why would you do that? I don't know, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking. Actually, I was thinking. I was thinking if I can get people to laugh, I'll be accepted because I am struggling with acceptance my entire life, not feeling like I'll ever match up, not like I'll ever measure up, I'm too small, I don't have what it takes, um, girls are not gonna be attracted to me, so instead of doing that, I've gotta do this, this is what happens. And all, all of a sudden, it drives, my thinking drives behavior. What can happen in this is our thinking becomes our convictions your convictions. And if we're controlled by the spirit, your convictions can't be cultural convictions. Your, your, your convictions can't be just what mom and dad said are your convictions. Your convictions can't just be your own personal way of you've got truth, I've got truth. I feel convicted, I don't feel convicted. If the word of God says it this way, that's the way to operate. If we're not living in the way of the word of God, then we are sinning because that's my way over God's way in any way, that is sin. And I can't let this cultural phenomenon that we're living in of just do you be okay enough. But that's where we're getting our conviction. So no wonder people have no problem sidelining the word of God when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to morality, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to uh, uh, cheating a little bit, fudging on the taxes. I mean, doesn't Uncle Sam get enough? So we're gonna kind of sideline some things and we're gonna kind of find some gray area. Why? Because our convictions, the way we're thinking, that is gonna affect the way I feel and then affect the way I act. Your, your feeling and your, your belief, that develops your character. Your, your, the, the, that whole feeling, the, a combination of your thinking and your thoughts and your, your feelings and your beliefs, that creates the character. It's the granite that you're made of. And then ultimately that fleshes out through your conduct, your actions. It's why we say around Timber Creek like this, a, a growing Christ follower is someone who is growing in Christ-like convictions, character, and conduct. Because the way I think and the way I feel and the way I act, all of that is wanting to be more like Jesus. So if I can begin to think like Jesus thinks and I can be able to feel the way Jesus would feel over 
hurting people, over being honest, over purity, over guardrails, if I can feel the way Jesus would feel about that, it creates character. If I can act the way Jesus would act, it creates, and that mixed together is the Christ life, everybody. So, question. Am I like super pumped about the direction my thoughts are taking me? I want you to think about you. Don't think about your spouse. Don't think about your kids. Are you excited about the direction your thoughts are taking you? Because nobody's gonna wake up six months from now and say, oh, how did I get here? But actually you will say, how did I get here? And I will tell you, part of it is your thoughts took you there. I'm not talking about a suffering or something that there's rain on the just and the unjust. I'm just saying, the way you think about hurt, the way you think about forgiveness, the way you think about anything, your, your, your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So it's, it's opening football season. I'll not give you a football, uh, like a, a football analogy, but we're also starting up on volleyball around here. And, and for those of you who understand volleyball, you know bump, set, spike. Well, we gotta have a mindset spike today where we set our mind on the right things and we really, we aggressively go after that. In Romans, we'll speed up past Romans 8 and we'll just go to Romans 12 for a second. The Apostle Paul says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. All these customs that say, do, if it feels good, do it. If, if this is the way, you know, just walk in that way. No, 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 no. Let God transform you into a new person. That word transform is the same word used for a caterpillar to become a butterfly. It's not just a slight change, it's not just a slight modification, it is an absolute metamorphosis. God wants to, God wants to turn the caterpillar things into butterfly stuff for you. How many of you'd like to let him do that today? Honestly, like there's some areas in my life, man, we, we, we look like a little snail, we look like a little you know, bug. I wanna grow some wings on this. I wanna have the beauty of a butterfly on that. I don't wanna stay there. I wanna rise to the occasion. I wanna be transformed. Good news and, 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 and good news. Good news is he'll do it. But, 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 but still good news is he doesn't just like do it like bippity-boppity-boop, you know, grandma fairy with Cinderella. He doesn't just go and like, ah, oh, thoughts are renewed. You're not a robot. No, he doesn't do it that way. He'll be transformed. He'll, you can be transformed into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, your heart is changed like that when you invite Jesus to be your savior. Salvation received. It's a gift. Believe it, accept it. You don't have to keep getting, be saving. You have been saved. You receive that gift of salvation. But after that, there's a process of changing, changing the way you think. And in another book that he writes to the church of Corinth, Paul says it like this, we're human. Man, give yourself a break for a minute. Look to the person next to you and say, we're human, we're human. So some of you, you need to let, the spouse needs to remember, they're human, they're human. We're human, thank you. But we don't wage war as humans do. 
We don't attack this just based on whatever click funnel you've gotten into on social media to figure out your thoughts. We're human, but we don't wage war as humans wage war on these things. No, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. This is here, human reasoning. The strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Some of you are living such a deep lie that you haven't recognized yet. A lie that is in your iOS, your internal operating system that you've gotta keep earning your dad's love. You've got to keep striving. You, you've got to always have the last word in edgewise or you won't be respected. And I'm gonna be respected whether you like it or not. And you fly off the handle with your spouse because they say you're being defensive. I'm not being defensive. And you don't think you're being defensive, but the lie behind the whole situation is that you don't feel like you measure up. Or you feel like you're not respected. Or you feel like you've not earned the respect that you earn respect and you're not getting it. And that is gonna cause you some trouble. And we gotta take these strongholds. We, we, we gotta hang on. We gotta fight against this human reasoning. And we do it not with worldly weapons. You know what the sword of the spirit is? It's the word of God. The greatest, the greatest weapon you have that you can put in your hand is the word of God full of 7,000 promises of who he is and who you are based on what he says he is and who he says you are. Brought out this little Bible today. I mean, it's falling apart. It's in, it's in pieces. And yesterday for about an hour, I sat with a family. I'll be uh, officiating the, the funeral for their pawpaw today at one o'clock. Next to his chair was this Bible. Paul Paul's Bible, Bill McHenry and Royce and Tammy Joe Willman for 30 plus years served in this church in incredible ways and their family along with them. And Tammy Joe's dad passed away just a few short days ago. This Bible was her dad's Bible and it was given to him in 1957. He's had it since he was 12 years old. This is a Bible that's worn out Charles Spurgeon was the one who said, show me a Bible that's falling apart and I'll show you a life that isn't. There's, there's something about not just getting through the word, it's about letting the word get through you to get to your thoughts. That's why we read. We don't read because good Christians take 15 minutes in the morning and that's what we do and you didn't do your devotions. You're going to hell. And it's not even one syllable. It's hey, y'all. Some of you, you feel guilty because you don't read the Bible like you should, right? I should spend more time in the Bible. Okay, so you feel guilty and then you kind of lead you into a feeling of shame and then you just keep doing that and you've got to change your behavior. But it's not about changing the behavior, is it? It's about thinking, I don't wanna live without this. It's about thinking, this is helpful. This is a sword. This is what I need. I want to live my life based on this, but if I don't believe it, I won't read it. You have to believe it. You gotta believe that his word is going to guide you. 
you believe, start believing it is a lamp unto my feet. It is a light unto my path. I hide his word in my heart that I might not sin. I hide it in there not because I'm just a good Christian, because I need to, I need to be challenged with the strongholds that wanna take me down. So the scripture goes on to say, we destroy every proud obstacle. So if we're gonna mindset spike here, let me give you four practical ways, four applications you can start doing today. Today, I gotta destroy every proud, art, uh, every proud obstacle. Guess what? One of the biggest things keeping you from recognizing the lies of the enemy and the stinking thinking that is taking you down the wrong road is you thinking about someone else needing this message today. I had someone just a while back say, I don't, I'm not going to their church. They were talking with me and they said, um, I just don't, I, I don't really, I don't really connect to your, to your preaching. So, Great, that's fine. My wife doesn't either sometimes. Um, and thank God I'm not married to you. <laughs> but they said, no, I, I, uh, I want a pastor who's gonna call someone out and tell them they're a sinner and tell them they're gonna split hell wide open. I want them to look at them with the finger and, and say, you're, you're going to hell. That's what I want. That's the kind of church I want. Here's what they don't know. They're the person. They're the person. They're too proud to see it. Because they would rather focus on someone else's sin than their own pride that comes before a fall. Do you hear me? Their own judgmentalism against someone else. Look, y'all getting beat up out there enough as it is. You don't need your pastor to beat you up. You need Jesus, thank you. You need Jesus to help you, not hurt you. Jesus is here not to beat you up again. He's here to give you, he's here to give you straight, a straight answer. You may not wanna hear it, but you need to hear it. You're gonna get up, beat up enough as, with, with culture. Why, why not have hope today? And that's what Jesus does. He doesn't, he doesn't wait for you to swim across the English Channel to get to him. He meets you where you are. That's what Jesus wants to do even today. And so, but what you gotta do, your part in the changing is this. You gotta own it. Here's what you own, write it down. I will be responsible for my thoughts. Oh, they just drive me crazy. You gave them the steering wheel. You gave them the keys. You said, drive. I mean, they just make me so, no, no. You let them make you so. Well, I just can't help. You have, to choose, you have to take responsibility for your thoughts. Take responsibility. Destroy any proud obstacle of the way that your stinking thinking is affecting you. So what do we do? We destroy every proud obstacle. Here's the second thing we do. We capture rebellious thoughts. We gotta capture them like a, like a kid with a jar catching fireflies in the backyard like Rocky chasing chickens, get him, Rock. Too old of a reference, sorry. We capture rebellious thoughts because your thoughts are gonna run away. Your thoughts are gonna, you, can I give you a practical one? If you're ever struggling with lust, gentlemen or ladies, you struggle with lust, 
where you, you, you lust is a God-given desire gone haywire, where attractiveness is a God-given, like being attracted to someone is God-given. There's nothing wrong with being, like uh, there's an attractiveness there. I ain't dumb, I am 100% blind in my left eye, but this one can see really good. I know what good looking for me looks like. It may not look the way you think, but I know what it looks like for me. I can tell, I ain't dumb, and I'm only half blind. But I also know I gotta take those God-given desires that can go haywire, I have to catch those rebellious thoughts. I have to catch them. Practical way, you see a beautiful woman in Walmart, <laughs> not every day, but every once in a while. <laughs> just kidding. I mean, you're just there to get Blue Bell. And there she is, guys, here's what you do. It's called the look and turn. Okay, you looked and you turn. I don't mean turn to follow them down the next aisle in their yoga pants. <laughs> I mean, okay, look and I turn. I look and I turn. From magazine covers, this is what my dad taught me early on. Have I scored, a, have I batted a thousand? <laughs> no, because I'm human, I'm human. But the better I can get at simply seeing, looking and turning, Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Help me, and thank you, Lord, for your beautiful creation. <laughs> like, look and turn. So we're gonna try that. Everybody look to your right. Everybody look to your right. That's this way. And on three, look to your left. One, two, three. Look at you. Look at you. <laughs> Looking and turning and whatnot. And some wife is like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we gotta, we gotta, capture those rebellious thoughts. So what do we do? We gotta hunt this. We gotta think. We gotta think like a hunter. We gotta hunt this, and here's what it is. I, I will set a trap for my runaway thoughts. I didn't grow up hunting, so I don't hunt. I've gone a little bit with some friends recently that said, we gotta fix that. And so I've gone hunting and sat in the deer lease and played Candy Crush. And, <laughs> no. I've gone to do the thing, but you know, there's a lot of work. You don't just show up and just like with a gun and say, let's hunt, y'all. Like, like, there's some work, isn't it? I mean, you're, you're preparing the place. You gotta find the lease or you have the property. You wanna prepare the property. You wanna do, do whatever you're gonna do. And I mean, you gotta get the right equipment. You gotta have the right license. You gotta, uh, you, you wanna set out some cameras. You wanna look. You wanna throw out some feet. I don't know. I mean, you wanna pick up the poop and just like. <sighs> that's all, that's all. That's a nine-pointer right there. <laughs> Sp spraying dough pee everywhere, just. <laughs> like you gotta set, you gotta set the trap. You gotta go through the, you gotta go through the process. And I wonder if we're doing that. Good news, you can start today. Good news, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. Some of you, you just wish you could take it back five years ago. Why didn't I take my thought captive? Because it started a feeling that turned into an action that almost destroyed my life. And yet Jesus wants to put grace on grace and mercy new today. You don't have to live in that condemnation. So. I capture rebellious thoughts, I destroy every proud obstacle. Here's the third piece, I, I teach them to obey Christ. I have heard this recently more than usual. 
I want my kids to kind of decide, you know, about God. I don't wanna like force them into anything. You're not gonna be, I mean, you can force them. That's not the right heart, but you also don't let your kids decide whether they wanna brush their teeth or not. If my kids don't feel like going to church, I'm not gonna like make them because I was made to go to church. Well, you're gonna, they're gonna go to fourth grade, right? I mean, they're not gonna be like, hey, <laughs> Jeremy, you know, just we're on a first name basis now. I know I'm in fourth grade. I'm just wondering. I don't think I'm gonna go this, I, just, I, don't, I think, you know, school's just not for me. I'm just not made to fit that mold. Get your butt in the car. You're going to school, dork. Don't, don't call your kids dork, unless you really feel passionate about it. No, 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 you gotta teach them to obey Christ, so you gotta train this. You gotta train this. I will keep my thoughts in school. You don't arrive, I don't arrive. Just because I trained up and I, gra I got to keep my thoughts in school when it comes to the word of God, when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to the presence of God, when it comes to the, the wooing of the Holy Spirit in my life. I've got to keep my thoughts in school. So this culture, you, you are surrounded by this culture Monday through Sunday, and this culture is gonna say, chase your dreams, and nothing wrong with chasing your dreams, but I gotta keep my thoughts in school, and I gotta remember that even though I might chase my dreams, First, I gotta seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And as long as I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I can chase all kinds of dreams. But if I just start chasing dreams and I never think about his kingdom, all of a sudden I'm gonna catch a dream that was never intended by God in the first place. And you think it's gonna make you happy and you think it's gonna be the yellow brick road and you think it's gonna, but it's just gonna be belts and pulleys and some guy behind the, the, behind the wall as the wizard and you're gonna be disappointed. Seek first the kingdom of God. Oh, man, I, I can't be happy unless these three things. And yet, when I take my thoughts to school, I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstance. That as long as I have God and God has me, I have all I need. Well, if it feels good, it must be good. When we know and we train our kids that your, their feelings are gonna lie to them, you think that because you're an adult and you pay a bill, that your feelings don't lie to you every day? Not my will, but yours be done. Do you think it felt good for God to go, for Jesus to go to the cross? No, we know it didn't feel good. In the Garden of Gethsemane, hours before he is to be whipped and beaten within an inch of his life and nailed to a tree for you and for me, he's saying, I don't know if I, won't, I, don't know if I can do this. His human body cannot even take the physiological, psychological weight that he's carrying so much to the point his body is bending under that pressure and his pores are beginning to seep droplets of blood. And yet in that moment, before he's ever suspended to a tree, he says, not my will, but yours be done. He could have taken the back door out of the garden. He could have left a note and said, I went back to heaven. It's all good. Can you, can I just, let me just vamp on this for a second. He goes back to the disciples. I need you to be here with me. Do you see his human emotion? I'm about ready to go through the darkest hours of my life. Will you come pray with me? And he goes back to get them and they're sleeping. 
And he's about to die for these guys. And they can't even stay up. If anybody deserved to change plans and call a plan B, it was Jesus himself in that moment. You don't even know what I'm about to go through. I've asked you to stay awake for an hour and you can't even stay awake. It didn't feel good. But even Jesus turned his mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. Well, at least I'm living my truth. Your word is truth. This hurts. Yeah, life is gonna hurt. And there's no, there's no making light of that. But he's my comfort. Yeah, but I feel lost. He's my guide. I, there's no way. There's no way I can get through this. There's just no way. God will make a way. God will make a way. You have to change the way you're thinking about it. God will make a way. His way may not always be my way or his choice may not always be my choice, but God will make a way. And if you're wounded, he is my healer. And if you are anxious, he is my peace question I have for you today is what is your runaway thought? What is it? What's your runaway thought? David, run up here real fast. McClellan, right there. David, run up here. I'm not going to embarrass you. You just, we just did a video. David and Angie are sharing some of their story. And David, I'm not gonna ask you to share all the details of your, of your story, but I, I wanna ask you this question. You said in the video, everybody give it up for my friend David. We didn't rehearse this. He just whispered to me, what the heck are you doing? No, he didn't, he didn't. David, um, thank you for you and Angie and your vulnerability on, on that video and, and sharing part of your story. You said that in encounter that you were thinking you weren't worthy. What, what are what, like a couple of words that you were struggling with? Like what were just a, one or two lies that you were believing? You know, this, Satan just always told me I wasn't enough and I would never be forgiven or accepted for all the things that I've done. And so I would never be accepted for all the things that I've done. So you had to identify that lie and you had to replace it with the truth of God's word. What did you have to replace it with? Is there a statement or a truth from God's word that you are replacing that with? You know, in the encounter, um, those three days there, I just kept praying, you know, God found me where I'm at and used me. And on, on day two, it finally sunk in and God said, you know, you're, you're my chosen child and you are forgiven. So you had to go all the way down, not into a behavior modification, you had to go into identification. You had to go into identity, that I'm a child. I, I'm, I'm not just a, a, a soldier in the army of the Lord who hasn't done well with taking orders, but I'm a child that's loved by my father, that gives me mercy on mercy and grace on grace. Wow. Wow. That's the power of replacing a lie with the truth Thank you, thank you, David. What's your runaway thought? What's your runaway thought? As we close today, I wanna to offer you just a few thoughts here. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. You don't have to do this alone. 
you invite, Holy Spirit, will you speak to me some of the lies I'm believing? Can, will you help me identify those things? Maybe you would jot down a few lies. I'm never gonna get past this moment. My life is destroyed. Everything is in shambles. It can feel that way and things can be broken. That doesn't have to be the end. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Guess what? You think like a slave, you will feel like a slave and you will act like a slave. You, don't, you haven't received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves, no. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you. Interesting, David, that when I found my identity, that I was God's child. Hello, thank you for preaching the last point for me. When he adopted you as his own children. See, a slave obeys because they have to, afraid of the whip afraid of the consequences, afraid of the chains. Child obeys out of love and joy. They can't wait to make their father smile. That's what a child does. Slave operates in insecurity and thinks if I slip up, my master's gonna beat me. Child operates in security. If I slip up, my father will help me. He's gonna help you. He's not mad at you. Slave is forced to work and is given no honor. No honor. A child is honored and invited to join the work. So will you embrace this today? And if you'll embrace this, you're on your way to living a free life. Embrace this. I am my father's child, not my master's slave. And if you'll see him as a father who's adopted you, there's no, there's no orphaned children in God's kingdom over life. And he is for you, not against you. Can I pray that over you today? Would you close your eyes, all locations? I believe Jesus wants to do some surgery on your hearts and he wants to replace the lie with the truth. Here's what we're gonna do. Didn't do this in first service. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna lean us into something and I want you with your eyes closed, I wanna go through a little bit of a process here. I want you to envision right now that you have stepped into the throne room of heaven and God the Father is on the throne and his son Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and the Holy Spirit is there as well. One in three, three in one. And the Father sees you walk into the throne room. He's a good father. He's a perfect father. And he looks at you right in the eyes. What does his face look like to you? I, I don't mean gray beard. I, I, I don't mean complexion. What's the attitude on his, what's the attitude on his face? The Father invites you to come boldly to the throne. So that if that means that he's inviting you boldly to the throne, his facial expression is not one of disgust. If that's what you're seeing, 
That's a lie of the enemy. So you now approach the throne. The Bible says that Jesus is praying prayers over you to his heavenly father. So Jesus at the right hand of the father, he is talking about you to God. If you believe that Jesus is saying this knucklehead, this person, I can't believe then you are listening to a lie of the enemy. Jesus is speaking life over you to his father. It may sound like, I love him so much. She is hurting so deeply. I see it. They don't know what direction to take and I, I wanna guide them. So I want you to believe the right, the truth about God, the truth about Jesus, praying prayers over you, seeing you, and now the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is a giver of gifts. Whatever your struggle is, whatever your hurt is, whatever your need is in this moment, I want you to envision the Holy Spirit walking up to you and placing their hands out with something in their hands for you, a gift for you, for where you are. For some of you, he is reaching out and his hands are full of peace. It's a gift. Receive it. For some of you, second chance. It's a seventh chance. And he doesn't give it begrudgingly. He smiles and he stretches out to you another chance to trust him. Receive it. Will you receive it today? Will you receive the goodness of a God who loves you? A son who prays over you. A Holy Spirit who equips you. The enemy comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life, life to the full. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And we receive these things in Jesus' beautiful name. And everybody said amen.